In today's episode of Trek in Time, we're going to be talking about lies, 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 yeah. That's right. We're talking about Enterprise Season 3, Episode 14, Stratagem. Welcome everybody to Trek in Time, where we're talking about every episode of Star Trek in chronological order. And we're also taking a look at its context in history at the time of its original broadcast. Right now, we're still looking at early days. We're still in Enterprise, but we're at season three, so we're past the halfway point. Woo! Whoa. Only 17 years of programming to go through. <laughs> and who are we? Well, I'm Sean Farrell. I'm a writer. I write some sci-fi. I write some stuff for kids. And with me is my brother, Matt. Matt is the big brain behind the show, Undecided with Matt Farrell, which takes a look at emerging tech and its impact on our lives. How are you doing today, big brain? <laughs> I would never call myself that. But okay, I'm good. How about you? I'm okay. <laughs> enjoying the weekend, enjoying what feels at times like the beginning of fall. It's nice to get some cooler air. And Matt, as usual, we like to start each episode with some feedback from our previous shows. So Matt, why don't you jump into the comments and let us know what people are thinking. All right. Well, from the last episode, which was Proving Ground, which you and I both liked a lot, mm -hmm. which had the Andorians coming in to help and then betray us. There's a comment from The Dude the dude it says i can't believe you guys are already halfway through season three been watching since episode four and haven't missed a single one since please continue and can't wait for season four thank you very much the dude yes um, thank you yeah I, I i like sean just said at the beginning of this i can't believe we're this far in already <laughs> but yet we still have as you joked 17 years of content ahead of us that's right <laughs> it's gonna we'll take be a while we'll be fine yeah it's going to give us something to do in our retirement. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and there was a comment from Paleghost 69 Always comments, always leaves very insightful comments. Mm -hmm. He said on that episode, I started episode being giddy. We have Andorian support in the expanse. I ended up with this episode with my antenna slumped. Aw. <laughs> Aw. Yeah. But he also talked about, he brought up, in the episode at 17 minutes and 40 seconds on our podcast, he said, imagine he was talking about how we were talking about what the expanse is and what it's doing. Mm -hmm. He, he mentioned, imagine a still pond, imagine drops of water falling onto that pond in the exact same spots, creating ripples that expand throughout the pond, eventually intersecting with other ripples. When many of them meet, it creates a highly disturbed space that is constantly shifting and contorting or the anomalies mm -hmm. in the real world. When multiple ripples intersect, there's almost always a ton of really foamy algae with its own ecosystem, which is similar in principle to the kind of space the sphere aliens want to create. Mm. I love that description, that yeah. analogy of yeah. what the anomaly is ghost. Why weren't you a writer on the show back? <laughs> back yeah. In that's my question. Because <laughs> yes. somebody like <laughs> to Paul just turning and saying, well, imagine a still pond. It would have been very yeah, exactly. helpful for everybody. <laughs> Everybody in the crew would exactly. have been like, uh, <laughs> now I see. Yeah. Now I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. We love getting comments. It's, it's part of what feeds this program. So keep jumping into the comments and letting us know what you're thinking. And in the background, I'm sure you all hear it. It's the read alert, but it's doing something weird. It's, is it faster or louder than it usually is? I think the reason for that is because today's synopsis from Wikipedia is the most Wikipedia synopsis imaginable. Matt, take it away. <laughs> the way you set that up is throwing me off. Stratagem is the 66th episode of Star Trek Enterprise, the 14th episode from the third season. 
The science fiction show is set in the 22nd century of the Star Trek universe. Captain Archer is trying to deal with aliens that attack the Earth. That's it. That's the end. It says nothing. It says nothing about the episode. Stratagem is a show from this series. Oh, my God. And then if somebody would say, well, what is the episode about? Well, it's about Archer. Archer trying to deal with some alien stuff. Aliens. (laughs) What are you going to do? Yada, 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 Star Trek. So as Matt mentioned, season three, episode 14, this episode is directed by Mike Vijar. This is his third of the season. Story is by Terry Metalis. Teleplay by Michael Sussman. It's his third of the season. And the episode originally aired on February 4th, 2004. And guest appearances include Randy Oglesby as Degra, Josh Drennan as Thalen, and Douglas Bierman as Degra's assistant. Of course, Degra, we all know by now, is the scientist for the Zindi who is developing the weapon. And this episode aired, as I mentioned, on February 4th, 2004. But what was going on at that time? Well, we were still enjoying Hey Yeah by Outcast the number one song. It had spent several weeks at the number one spot already at the beginning of this year. And spoiler, it will be replaced soon also by Outcast. So one of those times where an artist replaces themselves in the number one spot. And at the movies, You Got Served was the number one movie. It's the 2004 American dance drama filmed and written and directed by Chris Stokes. It made $16 million in its opening weekend. It is considered in the dance drama genre. It's considered one of the better, and it is still available for streaming if you're interested in watching it. It's available on Paramount Showtime. And on television, February 4th, 2004, what was everybody watching? People were watching Junior sell his car on My Wife and Kids. They were also watching The Bachelorette. That was on ABC on 60 Minutes. Well, 60 Minutes 2 was looking at Saddam Hussein's brutality and police raids in a high school on Fox, that 70s show and American Idol were the leading shows. And on NBC, the apprentice was earning 7 million viewers up against enterprise, which was getting 4 million and over on WB, well, Smallville that earned 5 million viewers. So once again, Star Trek enterprise is last in place. Just keeps bubbling at 4 million. Just keeps going along with the same 4 million people. And I felt like I was 3 million of those people. (laughs) You do the math. (laughs) And what was going on in current events? What was in the news? Well, anthrax had been discovered in Senate offices, shutting down the work of the Senate. We've talked about the anthrax attacks previously. So I wanted to focus in on something that felt a little more tied into what this episode is about. The episode dealing with weapons design, a massive weapon being developed. They know it's going to be used against Earth. That's the entire reason for this story. What was going on in the real world? Well, you may remember there was a little thing called the Iraq War. And the U.S., after quickly dismantling Iraqi resistance and taking down the government and declaring that the war was a success, began looking around for all those weapons of mass destruction that it was certain were there. And when they didn't find them, well, Donald Rumsfeld was called to speak before Congress. So from the New York Times on February 4th, Rumsfeld defends U.S. intelligence operations. 
written by David Stout, who writes, Defense Secretary Donald Rumsfeld encountered sharp questions on Capitol Hill today as Senate committee session that deepened an already bitter fight about the campaign in Iraq and President Bush's proposed budget for 2005. Appearing before the Senate Armed Services Committee, Mr. Rumsfeld rebutted criticism of pre-war intelligence by asserting that weapons of mass destruction might yet be found in Iraq. He also weathered criticism over the White House's refusal to include the costs of the Iraq campaign in the budget and about a tanker leasing deal that has come under scrutiny. The secretary summed up his basic stance on the Iraq intelligence in his opening statement to the panel, headed by Senator John Warner, Republican of Virginia. As Dr. K has testified, what we have learned thus far has not proven Saddam Hussein had what intelligence indicated what we believed and what we believed he had, Mr. Rumsfeld said, referring to the former chief weapons inspector, David Kay. But, he said, it also has not proven the opposite. So, okay. using the old, well, we haven't not found what we're looking for yet argument, uh, a little bit of a, of a shell game at the time, because, spoiler alert, no weapons of mass destruction would it. ever be found Mr. Rumsfeld would continue in his testimony to make the argument that one of the key pieces of intelligence leading to the intelligence community to believe that weapons of mass destruction would be found was the attitude and actions of Mr. Hussein. So stop acting so guilty if you don't have things is the argument that that boils down to, which I think is an interesting tie-in to this episode because this episode is demonstrating a, we've talked about, you know, white hats and black hats, the sort of old West methodology of identifying good guys and bad guys. This episode is absolutely using a white hat mode of interrogation. We have in the United States, we have the Iraq war. We had Abu Ghraib as a major point of, of an issue in the U S with prisoners in the Abu Ghraib prison being tortured. We have enhanced interrogation techniques, so-called uh, version of torture happening in Guantanamo Bay post 9-11. So here we have a story that revolves around how do we interrogate somebody to get information we need in order to stop this weapon of mass destruction. But we do it in a way that is ethically and morally unquestionable. That is the mm -hmm. entire gist of this story. And it is interesting because it follows this, this story, this has been used so many different times. It's a classic of subterfuge of just like you trick a person into thinking they're in a different time. They've used it in enterprise. We've seen it in a number of different times. Mm -hmm. We've seen it on star Trek in general, and it's a classic of mission impossible. The best example of this would be a Mission Impossible story where a man it wakes up, he's in prison, and they spend an episode convincing him that he has spent 10 years in prison. There is even yep. in my personal favorite of this genre is an episode of the old G.I. Joe cartoon in which Cobra gets a hold of one of the Joes and convinces him he's living 25 years in his future so that he will reveal secrets that he doesn't want to divulge. So yeah. we've seen this before, Matt, I'm looking for like big picture. Did it work for you or did it not? 
it uh, it kind of worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the end of the episode, I felt I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the episode by the end. Some of it, it felt like it was rehashing things I've seen before, but it was still enjoyable to see the end result of how they how they extracted the information they were trying to get, how they were kind of the cat and mouse game between Degra and the captain over the course of the episode. So in general, I, th- I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I think it's an interesting place for them to land because it feels like there's a couple of things going on in the real world. It almost felt to me like there was a response to the real world and questions around like what's going on in Iraq, what's going on in Abu Ghraib, what's going on Mm -hmm. in Guantanamo. And we've seen episodes in the past where Archer was willing to use torture. Yep. He's not doing that at all at this point. They've stepped away from that. And it felt a little bit like maybe there was in constructing a show in which they use subterfuge to get information. Yes. There may have been a writerly response of, well, so torture is not in this story at all because they're using subterfuge. What I would have appreciated as a viewer would have been a little bit of a discussion from Archer as to how his feelings have evolved and how maybe he has a sense of guilt or shame over previous actions. Maybe he's learned a lesson somewhere along the line to say, like, we're not going to do that again. I've got a different idea. Well, that to me, I I didn't miss that because they've already kind of done that in several other episodes of the season, because at the beginning of the season, he was ready to throttle people and toss people into airlocks. And he's been called on that numerous times on different episodes. And that's come back again and again. And each time it's brought up, it's clear he it's not that he has regrets necessarily. It's that he realizes that isn't the best path. And so for me, it didn't feel out of place that they never discussed it because at this point, it's clear to me that trip has evolved going from vengeance. Like he had that conversation Mm -hmm. with Shran about how I can't be out for blood kind of a thing. They've already shown that trip and Archer have changed their thinking and they've gone back to what the Federation ultimately is supposed to stand for what Starfleet is supposed to stand for. And they're not going to fall down that trap that they've seen other alien species in this region fall into, which is just everybody's out for themselves to do whatever they have to do to do their, their thing. Right. So it's like, I feel like they've already, they've already answered that numerous times. So to bring it up again, would have to me felt like they might've been hammering it, uh, you know, overdoing it, Mm. just hitting me over the head with the message, but it could have been literally like a two cent conversation, you know, just like a, it would have been very easy to have like a little throwaway conversation that just yeah. reminds us as to why. Yeah. I, w- I, that's all I was looking for. Not a heavy focus of the yeah. episode, but something along the lines of this episode also does something. And I've complained about this before. I do not like a structure that's like, ba 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 ba, And then, Oh, here's three weeks earlier. Like, like I do not like that as a structure. So it's, it, you can see it yeah, coming in this one. one. It, you can uh-huh. see it coming. It's like, it's like, as the episode starts and it's like, the, you know, we just escaped from a prison. It's like, no, you didn't. <laughs> I'm like, part of me is just like, I don't like that as a story technique of jumping back in time. But when we do jump back in time and you have that moment of they inadvertently run into Degra and his, and his people, when they run into Degra and his crew, they run into each other in the debris field from the weapons testing from proving ground and which is a nice, you know, this is, this is one of those episodes where it follows so closely on the previous one 
that if you're going to watch Proving Ground, just keep watching straight through Stratagem. It makes it makes perfect sense to do that. They're all there looking at for evidence of how the weapon works, you know, like and obviously Enterprise is there to be like, can we find any clues about where they might have gone? Here comes Degra and his crew to figure out what went wrong and obviously what nobody knows on the Zindi side, which Archer believes he understands, which is the Zindi mining colony that they had found themselves on previously. The lead researcher there was tainting some of the elements so that they would not work properly in this weapon. A couple of things happen that lead to the skirmish, which then they are, the enterprise is able to disable Degra's ship. They're able to capture them. Degra's crew is wiping their computer. So now we're all on board the enterprise and they've got these prisoners and they're trying to figure out like, what do we do? They know more Zindi are going to be coming on their way. They have these prisoners. What do we do with these people? Are we going to hold them permanently? There could have been a moment right then where Archer says, I've used techniques in the past that I don't want to touch again because I don't like carrying that. So let's figure something else out. It could have been something as simple as that that would have made me feel like, okay, that shows growth because in isolation, my, my issue with this is in isolation, it gives the idea that there's no character growth. It's just, we're the good guys. We don't do that. I would have appreciated a reminder of like, I've made mistakes in the past. I'm learning from those mistakes. So I'm trying to avoid them. Can I just interject? You're not liking storylines that do that three days earlier technique. I'm generally with you, but on this one, it didn't bother me at all. And I think part of the reason I, I liked the way they structured this was the first third of the show. It wasn't just like, usually it's the stinger, the opening, the yeah. cold open is the, what the hell's going on? And then they come back from the credits and it's like two days earlier. It's like that yeah. kind of stuff I don't like, but this was like the first third of the show. We as viewers have no clue that this is a ruse in in in, a, in an obvious way. We, we start to have our suspicions that something's off. But like as a viewer, it's like, is this actually happening in the future? Is this something that's going to be undone by something that's time travel-y? Mm-hmm. It's like we don't know what's going on. As a viewer, we don't discover that until probably act two when they act, do that three days earlier or like six hours earlier, right. they found Degra. I, I, I kind of appreciated that, but where I do agree with you is they didn't need to do that. They yeah. could have just stuck in that timeline the entire episode. That's my and issue not with gone it. Back That's my issue with it is, is usually it's it to me it's like narration. If you're watching yeah. a TV show or a movie and there's a narrator telling you things, my response to that is if you needed that narrator to convey something to the audience, you should have figured out a better way to get that information to the audience. It may not be you may be not trusting your audience enough or you may be overthinking it. And I felt like if you took the entire flashback portion out of the show you don't lose mm-hmm. anything and then you actually enter interesting terrain where for the writer and for the director and the actors to figure out how do you have that moment where Degra is suspicious enough and you show that moment how much more gripping would it have been when he looks out the window and sees the staticky screen for a moment how much yeah. more would it have been interesting for you to know oh Archer and the crew are pulling a fast one. Yeah. You don't know what's going on outside that little ship that they're in, but it might've been more interesting for the viewer to say like, aha, this is a ruse. And then have that moment of he's got the knife. How is he going to get out of this? 
he subdues him and then a door opens up and he gets out and he's on the enterprise and he's just like, what happened? How did he know? And they don't know how he saw through the ruse, but like what happened there? We had him. And then you go through the whole thing of the doctor could reveal, Oh yeah, I'm able to, I've been wiping their minds. Like all of the same stuff could have happened. That's my big thing. It's like, but that is ultimately for me, a nitpick because I think on a whole, the, the story does hold together really well. I like the back and forth on the ship. I like the cat and mouse and Hoshi feeding information into the earpiece of his kids' names are this, they're low, they're this ages, yep. like trying to like keep one step ahead of the questioning that is testing, testing, testing. I found myself frustrated and Matt, maybe you can guess there's one element of Archer's questioning that he never, he never raises this question. And it left me so bothered because this is really one of the first and really only times in the show where they've had somebody who could answer this question. Can you guess what question Archer didn't ask? Why they're doing this in the first place? Like it doesn't make any sense that Archer in that moment doesn't say, because Degree even brings it up. He's like, once we learned about the threats of the humans, Archer I could have said, I've never understood that. I, I don't I've know why Archer that. didn't say yeah. you and I have spent a long time in that prison together. And that's one thing I've never understood. You've never clearly presented me with evidence as to why you thought we were a threat. We'd never even heard of you. Yeah. Like that conversation should have been a huge part of this. I understand that they wanted to tease out the whole thing of like, where might the weapon be? Where like, that's the, that's the chess piece that is hidden somewhere on the board yeah. that makes it's very compelling also how they, how they managed to get that information out. But ultimately like, wow, you finally had a moment where somebody who would be able to answer that question was in the room with Archer and Archer doesn't even ask that question. And as an audience member, I was left with like, come on. It like, it really felt oh. like somebody behind me tugging on the back of my shirt, like pulling me back out of the episode. Like, Oh, that's not, well, there was, give me, there was, there was actually a question. There was actually a question that Archer did ask that made me go, wait, why would he say that? Yeah. Which was when Degra was talking about the council and Archer went the council. And I was like, wait, you two were supposed to be in prison for this long and you've never heard of the council before. It was like, that seemed like a, a a stupid comment from Archer, but it got completely glossed over. Yeah. Uh, that, that kind of bothered me a little bit. Um, there is one thing I wanted to kind of bring up near the end of the episode when, they're doing the ruse again right. because Dagger figured it out. Right. And then they basically do like an inception ruse. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it's like how far on the rabbit hole can we go? Which I thought was really clever. They basically created the world's best, you know, Walt Disney world ride of, uh, an experiential experiential, like a uh, yeah. thing that they did to him faking that the enterprise was trying to use their tech to, uh, warp across the, the galaxy to try to find the, 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 the red giant, with everything exploding and somebody offhandedly says basically Travis saved the day. He got us out of the warp field. He, he inverted the warp field yeah. and got us out of this. I loved the fact that it's like, I want more with Hoshi. I want more with Travis and they never really did good stuff with them. And they're supposed to be like the cream of the crop of the, of Starfleet. I love the fact that, it's not even on camera. Yeah. Somebody just offhandedly says it's not even oh, real. Travis it's not on it. camera or real, but they're just like, correct. Well, who would be the hero in this moment? It's going to be him. 
Yeah, that's gonna yeah. be Travis. It's gonna be Travis. I just, I just, I just love that little like tip of the hat of yeah. he's really good at his job, and he probably would do something like this. Um, I thought that was a nice tip of the hat that they they made it Travis saving the day and getting them out of the warp field instead of tripped. You know, the engineer is always doing it. It's like it was nice to give Travis a little something. Yeah. So the episode at the end, as Matt just pointed out, Dagger understands what's been going on. They know they, they, they actually propose at one point, should we rewipe his mind and then redo the whole thing again? But there's Zindi rescue vessels on their way. Like there's somebody showing up wondering probably where Dagger has been. There's constant chatter amongst the crew. Like we don't know when they'll see us. They might show up and already know we're here. We need to get out of here as quickly as possible. So they're going to set up this final attempt to fake that the enterprise has used, misused the tech of the Zindi vessel and ask for help. I agree, Matt, that was a very nice moment of like, we've tried to use this. Now we need your help in fixing it. And when they're like, no, we're not going to do it. Like, putting all this stuff into motion so that it's setting up the opportunity for Degra to think, okay, they found it, but he then says, our ships will blow you out of space. The defense perimeter is going to be too strong. You'll never get through revealing. Yes, this is in fact the right location. Very nicely done. And then it yada, yada, yada is itself when it's the whole like, and now we'll just mind wipe them again entirely so that none of them will remember we were even here. I would have appreciated a little bit more in the vein of they do all that stuff on the Zindi ship. And it's one of those things where it's very Star Trek can be frustrating when in one episode they're like, they use a scanner and they're like, Hmm, I'm picking up traces of Zindi DNA. And then in another episode, they literally have multiple crew members aboard the Zindi ship and they just leave. (laughs) It's like, uh-huh. All right. Decide whether or not your team is going to leave stuff behind. How could you adequately clean the ship? Give us one line to say, like, yeah, yeah, you know, we're gonna we scrub it. We're gonna scrub <laughs> it with alpha particles or whatever. Make up some gobbledygook to say, like, we've done this to their computers. We've blown this thing up. Like, stage it. I would have appreciated if they had staged it a little bit better. Like we've done this thing to make it look like they were attacked by us because our phaser fire is clearly on the back of their ship. I would have appreciated somebody saying, everybody's going to know this ship was attacked. We're going to make it look like there was a cascading failure in their computer system and that we took out their engines and then we fled. We're making it look like that. Give me that much information, not just like, so uh, does anybody, uh, let's get out of here. Let's, like, <laughs> don't give me that like casual, <laughs> like make it look like it's a little bit more well, effort than it was. Well, I understand it's not a key detail of the episode, but I did find myself thinking like you're leaving DNA everywhere and fingerprints even. I mean, it's- but the captain actually does make a comment that kind of addresses that. He basically is like, let's leave them with a mystery to figure out. It doesn't matter because they've got the information they need. Right. And the, the mind wipe of them means that it will take them a long time to figure out what the hell happened. And by that point, they will be at the weapon. So Archer's like, he's not trying to make this a permanent fix. It's just, we're buying time. We're getting out of here. They won't figure it out in time. Let's just go. Right. So it's but like, you could he kind of made that yeah, case. You could still, I think it would be nice if it had been like to Paul or Trip saying like, so we did this, 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 and this 
to remove all trace of our existence. Like it would have been nice to know, like we've wiped it. You know, like we're going to release, we're going to release a gas that's going to break down our DNA. We're going to do all these things so that nobody will know we were here. However, there will still be question marks. Then you could have Archer say, let's leave them a mystery to solve. I don't care. Like, yeah, I think you could still have, you could have both is what I'm trying to say. Um, mm-hmm. But at the end, as I mentioned, that's me being very nitpicky. I understand that it's not critical for the episode to end as well as it does. I felt like this is a really good follow on to proving ground. It's a continuation of those story elements. I like the fact that it's the enterprise feels like we're halfway through the season. They feel tantalizingly close to getting where they want to be, but we're still quite a distance storytelling wise. So it makes me as a viewer feel like, oh, there's, there's a lot more good stuff to come. And I'm looking forward to that. How about yourself? Well, we, we now know like the turning point for act three of the season. If you're looking at the season as a story arc, it's like, we're still in near the end of act two, but, but because they now know where the weapon is, they know where the central location is, that red giant, we know what the destination is, which we, as viewers, we now feel like, okay, we're about to hit the climax of the season. It does feel tangible. It does feel real. Um, I loved it as far as con- continuing that storyline. And I agree. It's almost like required viewing to watch those two episodes as almost one like little mini movie. Yeah. They kind of belong together. Yeah. So let us know what you think. Do you agree with that? This episode is a good follow on to proving grounds. And are you looking forward to what's coming up next? considering it feels like we're entering the third course of a large meal. Let us know in the comments. And Matt, before we sign off, we have the next episode coming up is Harbinger. So do you have any ideas around what that might be about? Uh, Something bad's going to happen? I don't know. We'll find out. And I hope you'll all tune in to find out with us next week when we talk about Harbinger. But before we go, just a reminder, if you want to check out any of my work, you can go to seanfarrell.com. You can also just go to your local bookstore, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever it is that you buy books, you should be able to get a hold of copies of my work there. And that also includes your public library. And I'm a big fan of libraries, so support them when you can. Matt, what do you have coming up on your channel? By the time this is out, I'll have an episode out about wireless EV charging, the current state of where wireless EV charging is. And then coming up immediately after this, I have a video coming out about my building a net zero home, talking about some of the details about what I'm doing for my new house. That's right. Net zero. That means he's going to have no internet in his home. Just think about that, folks. (laughs) Don't forget if you'd like to- That's a joke, Sean, from 20 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) If you'd like to support the show, please consider reviewing us on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever it was you picked this up. Go back there and say, I like these guys. I like the Star Trek. I like these guys and the Star Trek. And if you'd like to more directly support us, you can go to trekintime.show. Click on the Become a Supporter button there. It allows you to throw some coins at our heads. We appreciate. In fact, we love the bruises. One might even say we grok the bruises. And when you do so, it makes you an ensign. And what do you get for being an ensign? Well, you get our spinoff podcast for free, which is Out of Time. You get that directly in your feed as a supporter. And on Out of Time, we talk about not only Star Trek, we talk about anything that crosses our paths that we think is worth the time. 
So we hope you'll check that out. All of that really does help support the show. Thank you so much for listening or watching, and we'll see you next time. Bye.